As a matter of fact, today we're going to end our series that we have titled Reset. Once again, the word reset means to set, to adjust, to fix in a new or a different way. And so the new year is an excellent time for us to consider making those settings and adjustings and the fixings that we need to change our lives. But as we've come to realize, in order for us to have a meaningful or or a lasting reset, we gotta renew our minds. We have to renew our minds. Romans 12, two has been our scripture reference throughout this series. And do not be conformed to this world, but but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And please understand that the mindset within our culture is so wrong that a regular renewing of our minds is essential. It, It should be an ongoing process for every one of us who claims Jesus is Lord. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter two. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry. We'll be up on the screens. You can follow along uh, with us. Um, I wanna talk about an area where a reset in the church of America is greatly needed. It is an area in our Christian journey that is just not vital to the church that you attend as a Christian but it's equally as vital to you personally as you pursue God's will for your life. Let's read together Philippians chapter two. We'll be reading verses three through seven, and I'll be reading the New King James Version this morning. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. In this scripture, Paul lays down a vital truth regarding the mindset or or the very heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, in that he humbled himself first by leaving the heavenly realm and coming down to this earth in human form, but even more so when he made himself of no reputation by taking on the form or the identity of a bondservant or a slave. And in doing so, he completed his assignment to come, to love, to serve, to sacrifice his life in order to bring salvation to all mankind. And while Paul is telling us all of this, he makes clear that this is the same humble nature that we must maintain as we serve the Lord and as we serve others. So let me just say, or start by saying that I believe being a Christian, one who believes and serves Jesus, is a position of great privilege. We are the children of God. We are a chosen people. We have been adopted into God's family. And what a privilege that is. And yet along with that privilege comes responsibility. And one of those responsibilities is to serve by participating in God's kingdom work. To utilize our gifts, our talents, our time for the glory of God and for the furtherance of his kingdom through his church which is called the Bride of Christ. 
And this, in my humble opinion, as well as through my personal experience, produces a most positive effect on your spiritual life. And it's something that we all need to experience because something extraordinary occurs when you join hands with others and you serve together in doing the work of the Lord. It is a supernatural satisfaction that produces an inner joy, an inner fulfillment from the realization that you're making a difference in this world for Christ Jesus. It helps to bring balance into your Christian journey and, 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 and as you allow yourself to be God's hands extended towards others. And we need to look no further than Jesus himself as the powerful example that, to establish the importance of serving. In John chapter 13, we read one of the most remarkable stories in the gospels where Jesus, as usual, humbled himself in service. He and his disciples were gathering in a room for dinner. In fact, it was the Last Supper. Jesus is located at the place of prominence at the, at the dinner table. I mean, he's the leader. He's the teacher. He is the Son of God, and he is in his appropriate place. But in Jesus' day and, and in that culture, whenever someone came to your home for dinner, it was customary for a servant to wash your feet before eating the meal. The roads were not paved in those days. They were very dirty, very dusty, if you even wanna call them roads. Some were roads, some were trails. People mostly wore sandals. So the tradition was to wash the dirt away that had accumulated on their feet from their journey, and it was done for both sanitary and customary reasons. But as Jesus' disciples begin to arrive for this meal, there were no servants present. And therefore, nobody was doing the duty of washing their feet. And I do not think that this was by accident at all. So Jesus gets up from the table and he takes off his robe and he wraps a towel around his waist, just like the servants did. And, and he takes a jug of water and he pours it into a basin and he kneels before every one of his disciples as he begins to wash their feet. Now one can only imagine the silence that must have fallen upon the room at that time. His disciples are stunned. This is a job meant for a servant. This is dirty work. This is menial kind of work. They're thinking that this task should be carried out by someone with a much lower station in life. But here's Jesus, their leader, washing dust from their feet. And as usual, old Peter can't remain silent. I want you to listen to this dialogue in John 13, 6. Then he came to Simon, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus replies in the following verse, verse 7, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Then Peter says in verse 8, you shall never wash my feet. Peter's thinking to himself, this isn't right. This isn't proper. It's not fair. It's just plain wrong. But Jesus responds in the second part of that verse, and he says, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. So Peter tones down his attitude just a little bit, and he yields to what is happening. And Jesus continues as he washes the feet of every one of his disciples. 
puts his cloak back on, and he goes back to his position of prominence at the table. This is Jesus. This is our Lord and Savior who we follow and whom we serve, the Messiah, the perfect, sinless, a holy, awesome, eternal word of God in the flesh. And he's washing his disciples' feet, including Judas, the one through whose betrayal would set into motion his horrendous death on the cross of Calvary. And please understand, Jesus does this deliberately. He wants them to witness this, and he wants them to think about what they had just experienced. He wants them to realize that he, the Son of God, is a servant. He has a, a, the master has a servant's heart, as if dying on the cross wasn't enough to prove that. And he wants them to grasp their responsibility and likewise grasp the heart of a servant. So he looks them in the eye and he speaks these words in John 13, verses 12 through 17. Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's like he's saying, you know who I am. You, you know what you've seen and you know what I've done. Now I want you to go out and I want you to do the same. You have had the privilege of being served by me. Now I want you to go out and I want you to serve others. Through his actions, Jesus established a powerful precedent. As I said before, this act of washing feet was a service that was done commonly by the servants, those who would be considered the least in that society. And therefore, Jesus showed his disciples that he wasn't above doing the most menial kind of work, and that he would humble himself and do whatever was required. And he wants that we would all take on that same approach to our daily life. I believe the Bible makes very clear what our responsibilities are as Christians. We are to love, give, lead, serve, and share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. If we've had our lives transformed, if, the, if, if our sin has been washed away by the shed blood of Jesus, then we must be willing to do whatever is required of us. And one of those responsibilities that we don't talk about near enough in the body of Christ, or that, should I say, far too few participate in, in the modern day church, is serving. It's providing acts of service to others in order to serve them and in order to bless them. And these acts of service that go on within the local church is what allows us to do effective ministry and hopefully for us to do it well. The point I wanna make this morning is very simple. Jesus is about to have his last supper with his disciples. The last supper was the event of the evening. It was at this meal where Jesus was going to inform him, them, that his time had come, that he would be fulfilling his mission. 
It's the night that he broke the bread that represented his body that was soon to be broken. It was the night that he explained how the cup represented his blood that was soon to be spilled and atoned for the sins of the world. It was the night that he identified his betrayer, Judas. And it was the very night that set into motion Jesus' horrendous journey to the cross of Calvary. But there was one small thing missing. There were no servants present. So in order for the evening to move forward so that Jesus could reveal all of this, these things in order to get to the serving of the meal, a small action had to take place. The washing had to occur. And so Jesus, he takes the job upon himself. And again, I do not believe that this was by accident. I believe it was by design. And I'll tell you why I think that way. You see, these men, they were in Jesus' inner circle. They were like his entourage, you would say today. And like anyone who has celebrity status or cultural popularity, which Jesus did, those who hang with that celebrity, well, they too are affected by all that status and all of that attention. I'm certain it was very easy for his disciples to think that they were quite special because of their close relationship with Jesus and people recognizing them as such, they too received attention. And when, when you add to that what they had experienced firsthand and all the things that Jesus had taught them, and, and in light of the fact on that, that very night, God's plan for the redemption of mankind would swiftly be set into motion. He was preparing them for what was to come. Because after this, they're not going to be celebrated anymore. And furthermore, after Jesus resurrected and ascended to heaven, they would be the ones entrusted with establishing the New Testament church and leading God's people to fulfill the Great Commission. And with that responsibility, they would have to become servants to all people. Jesus didn't want them to lose sight that they were called to serve and that they must be willing to serve in whatever capacity unfolds before them. Jesus, on the most important night, I believe, of his earthly ministry, decides to make it a time of learning for his disciples, a time to remind them of a very basic truth. If we want to affect our world for Jesus Christ, we, may, we must become more of a servant to people and less of a religious expert. Sometimes all we need to do is to provide an act of service because that's what opens people up to actually listening to what it is you have to say. And yet one of the hardest things for us to understand in the modern day church is this, is this lack of willingness for some to serve in, in any capacity in any way, shape, or form. And what that means is the average church member in the United States of America comes to church to be served and not to serve. They come to receive, but not to give. They come to be taught, but they don't share what they've learned with others. They come to be encouraged, but they fail to go out and encourage other people. They come to have Christian fellowship. All these things are good, but their fellowshipping ends when they walk out these doors. When we fail to give anything back into our church through serving, 
We've missed the mark. We have completely missed Jesus' call for us to serve. You see, in the washing of the disciples' feet, Jesus not only clearly articulated his heart, which was a servant's heart, but in doing so, he, he also showed how we must humble ourselves and serve whenever and however needed. It's all about maintaining, maintaining a heart that is conducive to helping and blessing and serving. But in our world, sadly, we are taught just the opposite. In corporate America, it is normal and expected that as we grow in stature, as we climb the ladder of success, as we make more money, as we possess greater influence and we become more affluent, and we are no longer expected to do the less significant tasks. The belief is that because we have graduated to a higher level on the success ladder, there are just some things that are now below our position of status. And so the mindset becomes, let the people in the entry-level positions take care of that stuff. This is no longer befitting of me, someone who has attained this level of success or stature. This is how the corporate world operates in our country. There are perks involved for being the one who gets promoted. And one of those perks is that seemingly less important tasks will never be yours to perform again. And it always has a way of creating division between you and those who are in a position lower than you. It's just the way that it is. But in the life of a Christian, as we grow, God desires that we never lose sight of the fact that nothing is below us. In other words, when you take on the attitude that you have attained a, a certain level of Christian status or spiritual maturity, that now precludes you from doing certain things, you start to think like the disciples do. Well, that's a, that's a job for the servants to do. It's housekeeping's responsibility to, to clean up that mess. Let someone else do that. We get this idea that things have nothing to do with us any longer. But in God's kingdom, things are so different. In fact, I touched on this two weeks ago. Jesus said, if someone slaps you on the face, then you turn the cheek. Let them slap you on the other side of the face. Imagine that happening in our world. It doesn't. He said, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. You never see that while people are pushing their way to the front of the line. People are like animals when you get in lines. Have you noticed that? It is ridiculous. They're blocking you out like you're playing basketball. It's, dude, I'm just in line. <laughs> or they're breathing down your neck. It's like, give me a little space. <laughs> he said, love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. In our world, it's all about getting even. Jesus' approach to life is so far different from what the world teaches and what the world considers normal. So you've got to get that into your brain, first of all. We're not gonna live like the rest of the world. And if, if we are, we're a part of the rest of the world. We've gotta live a different way. That's the beauty of following Jesus because we are cut from a different cloth. We march to the beat of a different drummer and our marching orders fly in the face of cultural ideals because we are here to serve and not be served. We exist to do things that the masses never think of doing or would never stoop to do. And that's why it is in the doing 
of God's will when we are truly set apart from this world. And this is what grants us the opportunity to be heard and ultimately to effect change in our world for Jesus. Through this example of washing the disciples' feet, Jesus never wants us to think we are above serving in any way. And so we humbly submit ourselves to serve in whatever capacity God requires for the task at hand. Now, having said all that, I want to look at another part of this that's equally as destructive. I'm talking about within the church. And it's how we often apply classifications for the different levels of serving within the body of Christ, within the church. We have somehow established a, a serving status ranking, kind of a pecking order, if you will. And it's when people start to think, unless you're teaching or preaching or singing or have a microphone in front of your face, then what you have to offer is unimportant or insignificant. We've gotten so skewed in our attitudes towards serving that often the most basic needs of the church are not being met. The job is not getting done. Somehow we have allowed the world's thinking regarding serving to infiltrate the body of Christ. And it goes like this. If a task derives no public accolades, no outward appreciation, if it isn't seen in the public eye, then we tend to place very little value on it. And how sad that is. Please let me just say this. The greatest way you can serve in the local church is not necessarily from the pulpit or from behind a microphone because here's the deal. Guys like me can be easily replaced. There are Bible colleges all over the country that are producing pastors and evangelists and speakers and worship leaders. And though I am trying to use my gifts for the kingdom of God, the real heroes of the faith to me are those who work behind the scenes quietly and faithfully. They are the backbone of this church. They are the backbone of any church. They keep this place moving forward. There's so much that goes on around here throughout the week that all builds up to meeting here on Sundays and having this service and many other different gatherings. On Monday morning, there's a women's Bible study. On Monday nights, we have step groups from our CR ministry. On the, on the fourth Tuesday of each month, our men's ministry has an event. On Wednesday nights, our youth group meets. On the first Wednesday night of the month, we have family night. On Thursday nights, we have our young adult ministry. On Friday mornings, we have a men's Bible study. On Friday nights, Celebrate Covery has their service here. On other nights, there you don't need to clap this time. <laughs> I, I heard you. I see you. I'm with you. I love you. I'm on a roll. Don't break up my roll. On other nights, there are people meeting in small groups at home. In the winter, we host basketball and volleyball leagues in our gym. In the summer, we host softball leagues out on the field. And for those activities to happen, there is so much preparation that, that goes on throughout the week for children's church, for the worship team, for technical team, sports ministry, the food pantry, the list goes on and on. And I'm not sure you understand the amount of work that it takes to run a church of this size. The planning, the rehearsals, the preparation, the setting up and the, and the tearing down, cleaning, and most importantly, the prayer that is required to pull all this stuff off. You see, each one of us has been given abilities and talents to equip us to uniquely serve in the local body. 
So no matter how outwardly visible or how behind the scenes your serving is, it is all essential to having a healthy church and creating healthy men and women of God. It's God's plan. It's his way, it is his way to see that every need is being taken care of in the church and every job is being fulfilled and every job is being completed. And this is all accomplished through you and I. The scriptures tell us about the body of Christ, the church, and it compares it to a human body and how it's all joined together with differing parts. Ephesians 4.16 says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The point is it requires a multitude of joints and ligaments and muscles to make up the human body. And to make the body of Christ, the church complete, we must all do our part to make sure that it runs properly. And please understand there is no one part that is more important than another part. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 23 says this, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Serving in whatever capacity is needed is the lifeblood of the church. And this morning, I want to ask you if you have never considered giving up some of your time to serve in this church to help make someone else's experience here on Sunday morning or whenever they come, a better one, would you please do so? We need you. We need you in a big way. And this is where a reset of our attitudes and our thinking regarding serving might be in order for some of us. We all have to get to the point of realizing our experience here at High Point when we attend isn't just about us. It's about other people as well. Yes, we come here to get fed. But there comes a point where you've got to take the things that you have been fed and you begin to pour it into the lives of other people through serving. There's a, there there comes a point where we've, we must all begin to look at what we can do to make a difference by assuring that other people have a positive experience when they visit high point and think about the ways that we can become Christ's hands extended to other people. I think that a common belief is that because it seems like everything runs fairly smoothly here, that all the bases are covered. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, they are not. We don't have all of our bases covered. We do the best with what we have, but the point is we could be so much better at everything if more people were willing to step up and play a part in it. But when people think that we've got it all together, then what happens is we get this mindset, well, everything's okay, and then just slowly but surely, we become grossly undermanned in everything that we do. The job doesn't get done, and therefore we can't put our best foot forward, and the body as a whole begins to suffer. And our desire as a church is to do things with excellence as unto the Lord, and in a way that makes Christ and his church shine to those outside of these walls. So the question is, are we all doing our part? Don't shout me down this morning. It's okay. God has done so much in my 10 years here. 
We've grown. We're doing many new things to reach our community. But long before I arrived, this church has always been a beacon of light to this community. And through every season, this church has stayed strong. It's because we have a solid foundation. Because that foundation, based upon that foundation, we are able to reach out to this community in greater ways. And as we do, we are inevitably going to continue to grow. We're going to have many visitors that are going to be coming through these doors every Sunday, and they do. Many of them have children, and they're going to come, and they're testing the waters to see what High Point Assembly is like. And we're going to have to be better than ever at what we do. Our church's approach to new people arriving here at High Point and assuring that they have a great experience should exceed any effort from any business or entity out there. Bottom line, we've got to always put our best foot forward. So in order to be the best at what we do, we cannot just rely on the 20% who statistically do 100% of the serving in the church. My prayer is that all of us will develop a servant's heart and and actually look for ways in which we can serve. And, And this might help you. Instead of viewing this as a task, or instead of viewing it as a job, you need to understand that there are tremendous blessings that come when you serve. I have seen some of the most incredible relationships develop by through people in this church as they've served together side by side. I've seen spiritual growth occur in the life of those who serve. I've seen people discover their calling or confirm their call into ministry through serving in the local church. I have watched as people who are normally quiet and reserved literally come alive when they're out there serving. It's almost like they're they're different person. But the most important thing that I have seen in the life of, of those who serve as this, they realize that they are following the example that was established by Christ himself, and there is a great fulfillment that comes from that, but at the same time, they take ownership of their church. And the result is that this place becomes something more than just a destination where you come to worship and get fed. It becomes a place where, where you're committed because you now got some skin in the game. You got skin in the game. You've taken ownership. This place becomes your home. It's a place where your family grows. It becomes a place that you can't do without, a permanent part of your life. And it's a place where you love to serve and you love to bless other people through your serving because it's in the serving and the blessing of others where you receive the greatest blessing of all. That is the essence of serving. It's very much like the message I gave a couple of weeks ago about giving. You will never realize the blessing that comes from serving until you step out and you serve. And the beauty of everyone taking responsibility to serve is simple. When many are willing to do their share, the shares get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then no one has to invest an exorbitant amount of time here because everyone is doing their small part. We got to move away from this mindset that says, there goes some of my free time, or now I'm going to lose an hour's sleep on Sunday morning. And we've got to move to the mindset of God, I'm going to give this time to you. And my prayer is that, that I will make a difference for your kingdom and for my church. Every one of us has something that we offer in service to the Lord. Please don't discount the importance of what you bring to the table. 
Everyone has at least one thing, one gift, one ability to offer. And truthfully, most of you have multiple gifts and, and abilities to offer. God has given you each the ability to do something and to do it well that will enhance people's experience here while attending our church, if you'd be willing to use it. If every Christian would develop a, a heart of a servant and look for ways in which they can provide service for the body of Christ, it's kind of like in our giving. The, the sky is the limit to what we could accomplish. The most vibrant Christians I know are those who live to serve. It has become a large part of their Christian identity. What a difference it has made in their life and what a huge impact it has made for the church and for the kingdom of God. But here's the deal. In order to do it, in order to do it right, not let others carry the heavy load and get burned out, we need many people who will serve in small ways. By each person doing their one thing and joining together with everybody else doing their one thing, we can take this church to an entirely new level by providing excellence in everything that we do. See, I want you to be comfortable and I want you to be proud to invite your, your friends, your family members, your coworkers, your acquaintances to this church. And when they come here, I want you to be assured that we have in fact presented our, our, our very best effort and that we will make them feel welcome and that we will make them feel happy that they came and that they will leave here feeling like what we do, we do well. So the point is, if we all do something and we all do that something well, it makes people on the fringe who are not serving want to become fully engaged and actively on board with us. It becomes kind of a contagious spirit in the house of God. They want to be a part also of what's happening here. And guess what? They too eventually will serve side by side along with you. So the point of today's message is let's begin to think in terms of not just coming here to get fed and uplifted, which is essential and which is good, but let's come here with the intention of seeing other people also get fed and also get uplifted. And when we all do our part, we will have created a great environment for that to happen on both ends. Do you realize when somebody comes through the doors of this church and receives Jesus as Lord and Savior, that those who actually played a part in serving also play a part in their salvation? The Bible says we're gonna have crowns, which we will lay at the feet of Jesus, of course. But those crowns, there's gonna be, there's gonna be gems. And, and I believe every person we've led to Christ or had a part, there's gonna be a stone in our crown for that. Think about this. With somebody, yeah, it's okay. Yes, crowns. I hope it's full. Someone comes to High Point for the first time, they're apprehensive. They're nervous. They wonder what we're all about. And when they're, so when they're greeted at the doors with a smile and a handshake by one of our members of our greeting team, and then they're asked, they say, go over and have a cup of coffee and a donut before the service starts that's been prepared and offered to them from those who serve on our hospitality team. And then they drop their kids off at children's church or, or the nursery where they're greeted with a smile of assurance that we will take great care of their kids while they attend the worship service. 
And they sit down in the pew finally, and one of you uh, takes the time to get up, go out of your way to introduce yourself and welcome them and ask them if they're new and welcome them to High Point. When that happens, what ha- they slowly begin to relax and they begin to feel comfortable here. And now the Holy Spirit has a, has a clear path to, to strip away all of those other distractions, all those other concerns, all those other apprehensions. And, and then they enjoy the anointed worship that our team has prepared and presented. And then they can hear the word of God spoken and be receptive to the word of God. And it touches their heart and they are moved to action. And they take that step to the altar and they receive Jesus. Please understand that everyone who's had a part in that process of getting them there has been a part of them crossing that line of faith and accepting Jesus as Lord. You see, one of the things that I have always believed is a great measuring rod for how successful any church is or might become is through the degree in which we all collectively serve. And I am thankful I am so thankful for those who faithfully serve in various capacities around this church. I'm thankful for those who greet at the front doors. You are the first face that people see, and you go a long way to making a first impression. I am thankful for our ushers who bring you communion and and who help people find seats and and offer direction and and instruction to those who, who are asking for it. I'm thankful Boy, am I thankful for those who serve in our nursery and with our toddlers and those who serve in children's church on Sunday morning, all of whom give up sitting in this service in order to serve your and my children and grandchildren. I know it's challenging at times, but I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for caring for these kids who so desperately need to hear the truth. I am thankful for those who serve within our youth ministry who provide leadership and and music and oversight, those who chaperone summer camps and conferences and youth conventions and youth retreats. I'm thankful for our safety team who keeps an eye on this campus while we're in here taking care of issues of what are going on outside in the parking lot and sometimes out in the foyer. I'm thankful for those who, who make Celebrate Recovery happen every Friday night, and not just Friday nights, but on your step classes. I'm thankful for those who serve in our worship team and who serve on our technical team and who deal with sound and slides and videos and all of that. I'm thankful for those who prepare the coffee and the donuts every Sunday and who provide an atmosphere of hospitality for all of us when we get here. I'm thankful for those who put together snacks and food and meals for many of our other ministers events. You know who you are. I'm thankful for those who prepare communion every month. I'm thankful for those who serve in our food pantry. They give of their time to help those who need the blessing of food and sustenance in their home. I'm thankful for those of you who serve in the sports ministry, who organize our leagues and schedule it all and provide umpires for those games. I'm thankful for those who teach our first steps and our next steps and our, all of our discipleship classes. They are actively pouring into so many lives, helping people to grow in their relationship with Jesus. I'm thankful to all those who come out when we hand out turkeys and all the fixings every Thanksgiving. I'm thankful to those on the leadership teams of our men and women's ministries who plan events and activities, but also see that those activities happen. 
I'm thankful of those who faithfully serve on our church board, who assist with the ongoing fiscal and spiritual needs here at High Point, and for those who may serve on committees as the board asks them. I'm thankful of those who, who have taken meals to families and, and who take time to visit the sick in the hospital as well as shut-ins. I'm thankful for the prayer team here at High Point that don't just pray for me and my family in this church and, and those within it, but they pray for needs that we get in from the outside of people outside of this church. I'm thankful for those who host or lead a small group. I'm thankful for those who right now are pioneering our special needs ministry. They have such a great vision for this, and I'm excited to see what's going to come out of this ministry that very few churches want to touch with a 10-foot pole because it's difficult, but we got people that are willing to take that challenge on. The list goes on and on and on, and please forgive me if I overlook something that you do, and that's the problem with doing this because you always forget a dozen of them, so forgive me right now. It's not because what you do is not important. It is essentially important. I'm just sharing ones that came into my mind, and I typed them about as fast as I just said them to you. I guess I should say as fast as two finger typing can go because I'm not in a, this is how I type, but I'm pretty fast at it. But even with all that said, if you approach the leaders of any of these ministries, they would tell you that they could always use more help, especially when it comes to our kids. That's an area where we have the greatest struggle, finding people who will serve. And I love the fact that if somebody shows an interest, Erica is asking people to just come, visit for a week, be a guest, watch what it is we do, watch from a distance, no responsibility, just come and see what it's all about. And I love the fact that Erica is scheduling people to come and just serve one week a month. I don't think that's a huge commitment to take one of your Sundays and to serve in some way where maybe you're not physically in this service. You can watch it online. That's why we have these things. You can go home and watch it when you're done. And you'll get a blessing from serving and you'll get a blessing from watching the service online. All of our ministry leaders would gladly use your talents and your gifts to help them to be even better at what it is that they do. All of these examples I gave are elements of serving. And when we serve as a church family with excellence, and with purpose and with intention, great things always come from it, always. So as you think about your walk with Christ, please don't ever discount the responsibility as well as the blessing of serving. Don't ever think that something is insignificant because every act for God's kingdom is paramount and yes, it is essential. My intention this morning was to get you thinking in terms of what can I do? What can I accomplish for the glory of God? What is it that I have that I can bring to the table at my church? See, over the years, this church has accomplished so much and it is known well within this community, but we have the potential of doing more, reaching more, being better at everything that we do. Because as we proclaim Christ's name within the city of Red Bluff, and we fight to build stronger families and, and stronger marriages, as we work towards building up strong men and women of God and children who love the Lord and make him the cornerstone of their lives, we come to realize that we can accomplish so much more when everyone takes an active role.
So can we all just please take on the mindset, here I am, Lord. You can use me in, in, in whatever way you need me to further your kingdom on earth. Take my abilities, take my, my talents, take my uniqueness, and use it for your glory. That, my church family, is the place for us to start. I'd like to ask you all to stand to your feet. Scott, would you come, or Liz, will you come forward and help me to close this down? I believe that there are ministries that are yet to be birthed in this church. And most of those ministries will come through you and your giftings and your passions. There are levels of excellence that have yet to be attained within this body, and it will come again through you and your gifts and your talents. There are souls that are yet to be won that will come through your care and through your passion. The question becomes, will you allow God the chance to work through you by using and utilizing some of your giftings and talents and passions? Just wanna say this morning, you're never too young. And I also want to say you're never too old. You can all find a place to serve doing something in this church. Our staff has created a list of current needs. It says uh, High Point Assembly volunteer opportunities. We have these cards. The ushers have them at the door. As you leave, I'd like you to take one. These are some current needs that we have. This changes all the time because sometimes people say, you know, my job changed, my schedule changed, I can no longer do it. So it constantly changes just because these are the needs we have now. Probably next month there will be three more added and maybe two will be taken off. So it's a constant journey of trying to get people to, to serve in the church and to fill the needs as we have them. So as you leave here today, uh, the ushers will be at the door. Take one of these so you can take it home and look at it and pray about it, or you can also pick one up at the information booth. But my, my prayer is that you will take this message this morning to heart. Um, I love you. I love this church. I love the people within this church. And you are an incredible group of people. And if, if I came across in any way like I was chastising you, I'm not. I'm challenging you. Okay? There's a difference between ch chastising and challenging. I am thankful for what we have here. I think we, we do a lot better than most churches. But we're not there yet. We're not. And the only way we're going to get there is when every single one of us takes the responsibility of saying, this is my church, and I'm going to take ownership. And if it means I'm going to have to invest a little bit of time, aside from sitting in these pews when the service is going on, which we all love to do, I get that. That's how a church grows. That's when the attitude in the church is we're all going to be servants. And, and you know where people come to visit? They come to churches that have servant hearts. It's as simple as that. They can go anywhere. But they're going to come to the place where they feel like we care about their family, we care about what we do, and what we do, we do well. But we cannot do it well unless everybody does their part. I want to pray over you this morning. Uh, before I do, um, I, I never, ever like to have a church service at this place without giving someone the opportunity, at least telling them about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, serving starts after you've received Christ as Lord and Savior, because what happens is your heart changes. You're a new creation. 
You don't think like you used to think. You don't act like you used to act. You want to live in a way that honors the sacrifice of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. So if you do not know Jesus this morning, it's very simple to receive salvation. The Bible says you must believe and confess. You must believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the only way to God the Father. He died on the cross, and the blood he shed was shed to atone for your sin, to cover your sin. So you tell Jesus in prayer that you believe in him, that you want him to be the Lord of your life, to forgive you of your sin. And the Bible says he is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's where it all starts, in case you're wondering. I realize this wasn't a, a message that would maybe induce somebody who would want to become a believer, but then God works in mysterious ways. I don't know what he's done in your hearts this morning through what I've said. But I, if, if you don't know Jesus, I encourage you, friends, the time is short. Don't, don't leave here without asking to be the Lord of your life. But for the rest of you, I, I, I truly, truly pray. My prayer is that you won't leave here and let what I've said go in one ear and out the other and have a conversation in your car on the way home that I'm uncomfortable when pastor does that. I'm sorry, that's my job. My job is to equip the saints for ministry. Check the scriptures, that's what it said. And, 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 and lest you think that ministry is me, yeah it is, I have my ministry, but you have yours too. And, and the ministry of this church is so large that it can't possibly be done by a pastor and staff. It's gotta be done by a pastor, his staff, and lay people who are willing to serve and give of their time. I'm gonna end it there, because I've been talking a long time. But I wanna pray over you. And I pray that as I pray these words, you would open your heart. to this idea of serving in some way. You'll take it to heart. You'll find a way where you can get plugged in. Wouldn't it be nice if I never had to get up and talk about serving ever again? Because every position was being filled. But that's just not the reality of where we live. So let's bow our heads. Precious Father, I, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the many examples in your word about this concept of serving and Jesus came to serve and not be served and therefore as a follower of Jesus we are here to serve and not be served and God I know we have people here in all different areas of, of Christianity some are brand new believers some have been serving you for 20 40 50 60 years or longer it does not matter how long we've been serving you, the fact remains that you've given us a responsibility and serving is one of those responsibilities. Father, I pray you would impress upon all our hearts the importance of this, not just for the task at hand, but the importance of us experiencing that satisfaction and joy that comes when we know we have played a part in your kingdom work. There's really nothing like it. It's a, it's a form of satisfaction that's unlike anything I've ever experienced. And God, I want my church family to experience it as well. So would you open our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and our spirits to what the Holy Spirit would be speaking to us today? And would we go from listening and being hearers of the word 
to being doers of the word. That's my prayer this morning, Lord, and I pray that you would just move upon my church family here to step up and to fill the gap where needed. Lord, I thank you for this time we've had together. Thank you for the time of worship that we've had. I thank you for the fellowship that we've experienced. I thank you for what's been going on in other parts of this building with our children and and, 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 uh, in children's church and our toddlers. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit because without your spirit, God, we can do nothing. I thank you, Lord, that uh, we have this beautiful facility that we can meet and I thank you for these beautiful people that fill these pews every single day. What a blessing they are to me personally. And Father, as we go out today our separate ways, I ask that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct our steps, the things we do, the places we go, the conversations that we have, and that those conversations would be conversations that build people up and not tear them down. I pray, Father, that we would shine like bright lights in a very dark world that needs Jesus. Let us shine so brightly with the love of Christ that people would come to us and say, what is it that's different about you? And then you open that door for us to share your goodness with them. And Father, when those doors open, give us the boldness to walk through them and know that you will give us the words to speak to encourage that individual and lead them to the cross. If nothing else, lead them to invite them to church with you. God, I just ask that between now and the time we gather together again, you would also keep us safe from sickness and disease, but also keep us safe from any accidents that might befall us until we can gather together again as a church body and worship you in spirit and in truth. And Father, as we go our separate ways today, I pray that we would go in love. And I ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for being here.